You're listening to a podcast from the Fred Hollows Foundation, New Zealand. To find out more, go to our website, www.hollows.org.nz. Our guest today on the program is Sister Alumita Ravono. Sister Alumita is a Fijian nurse. She's the nursing tutor at the Pacific Eye Institute, which is run by the Fred Hollows Foundation New Zealand. Sister Alumita is directly involved in the training of dozens and dozens of young nurses on the PG-DEC program, the postgraduate diploma in eye care. Uh, and she is responsible for making sure the nurses are up to standard and up to speed in operating theater procedures and also in ophthalmology in general. Sister Alamita is the go-to nurse within the CWM nursing network in Suva for all questions related to eye care. Uh, she has become the sort of informal ambassador of eye care within the nursing network. Uh, she also uh, brings with her a, a wealth of knowledge and experience from a counseling background in terms of getting people to trust the, the doctors, getting people to trust the eye care system, but also managing the sort of the emotional uh, problems that, that take place when when uh, patients need to make hard decisions or they don't have positive outcomes. So Sister Alamita is is a real asset to the Fred Hollows Foundation New Zealand, uh, and she brings with her a, a, a range of different skills and experience and expertise. So she's also embracing new challenges within the Fred Hollows Foundation New Zealand. She's recently gone to Papua New Guinea to teach a, a module in operating theatre practice uh, in the uh, Fred Hollows Foundation New Zealand base in Medang in Papua New Guinea. I asked Sister Alumita how she got her start in nursing and how she made this transition from nursing into eye care. Since 1998, I have been uh, uh, working in uh, the main hospital eye clinic until 2007, which I was um, taken in for my training. That's, you know, I, I was kind of getting bored, losing my interest, what am I here for, this is all the same old work that I'm doing, until I got through this one year course and then I said, oh, there's more that I can do, there's more that I have learned, which, you know, sort of motivated me to stay on to ophthalmic nursing. And Alumita, who encouraged you to do the course? Who inspired you to get into eye care? I was uh, one of the nurses around the Pacific chosen to do my certificate in eye nursing, which was uh, organized uh, by Fred Hollows Foundation Australia, that was in PNG. So I was there. So from the certificate level, I came to know that this uh, level above certificate has been introduced now in PEI, so I thought, why not? I should go up the ladder with some, do something more than certificate. So I wrote in my application with all the difficulties that I went through with the ministry. Acceptance was a bit so tough. Was there anyone either in your family or your colleagues at the hospital who weren't so sure, who said, don't go into eye care, it's too risky? It, it was my nursing uh, who said, uh, why are you doing that? You know, even those people who are going for further training in specialized, they come back, no changes to the salary, no, you know, dull career pathway. I said, no, 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 I think I should. The opportunity is here. I should at least hop in and do. How has being a, a senior eye care nurse uh, affected your life? How how do the other nurses treat you? How do other members of the community treat you, uh, knowing that you're 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 uh, have this expertise in eye care? Often they talk about who's the experienced one in eye. So whenever there's a need for any training on basic eye knowledge, with the general nurses or even in the training and nursing school. They, they are always easy to pick on my name because maybe I was, I 
I'm the one who's been there long, you know. And then after this training, and they have some uh, thoughts maybe or trust that I can do the work. So anything to do with eye nursing, let's call Alamita. Let's see. I'll talk to Alamita. How have you found working with people from different countries? That must have been quite a new experience for you. Interesting. Interesting even. It's good to hear different experiences and level of skills that we get exposed to and the different situations that uh, other colleagues from different Pacific Islands are, get exposed to. Some of them, they, they acknowledge being here in uh, Suvas, in the main clinic here, because of some of the things that they see here, they do not get wherever they work. And, uh, you know, it's always good to, to hear from them how, how they manage with a limited supply of things that they need, but they do manage to save visions of people who desperately need them. Obviously, you face a lot of challenges in the work you do. Um, can you talk about some of the most significant challenges to the training and, and also to uh, the service of, of surgery and restoring people's sight? As far as service delivery, we are so used to working in situations where we have very limited resources. We try somehow or the other to manage with whatever uh, resources that we have. But it's kind of different with a, a training situation that we have to be maintaining the standard of practice with the students that we teach and um, with the limited resources that we have. I'm sort of in the middle of uh, negotiating with the students to sort of balance what they think and what should be happening. So I sometimes hop in with excuses. Now look, this is why it's happening because we are short of this, but you know, as far as I know, in any training uh, institution, there should be uh, in a, a good, you know, um, I mean, there should always be no problem or no shortage of things that we use for training purposes. Is there a particular moment that really stands out in your mind where you think about uh, in your career a patient who had a, an extraordinary reaction and you think, Wow, that's, that's why I do what I do. Patients who walk in and out of our clinics, they, we hear feedbacks from them that um, they get an improvement in the service that they receive here. And uh, when they come through surgeries, they walk out with... Uh, and the day after that, when their dressing is open and they, you know, it's wonderful experience to see people cry even out with the um, fulfillment or enjoyment that reassurance that they can see yeah so it's it's um kind of a comfortable feeling to see that people are satisfied coming through our clinic whether it is in the general outpatient or in the operating theater or even in outreaches where we reach out for people they you know they feel that they have been uh, uh, serviced with the need that they have. Do you ever keep in touch with some of the patients that, that you helped out or do you ever run into them around the streets of Suva? Uh, patients that you, you helped uh, get their sight back and, and you run into them years Often later? Often we meet people on the, you know, in town somewhere or in places where we go to and they say, oh yeah, this is the sister in the eye department. You were in theater. I, I, I may not remember their faces. But, you know, with the comments that they come up with, and then I think back, oh, they must have come through the clinic. <laughs> and 
And of course, it doesn't always turn out well. It doesn't always end with the smiling, happy faces that we know from the photos. Can you talk about an experience where it's not worked out very well and you've had to deal with a very, very challenging outcome and, and reassure the, the families and, and the patients? The patients. Three-year-old girl with a retinoblastoma, but I, yeah, I've, uh, I've just spoken to the parents. Yeah, you know, we did an enucleation with a difficult situation with the parents who were a bit hesitant to agree to that situation of the child going through surgery to remove the eye. Yeah, that was such an emotional situation. That <clears throat> I had to sit with them, talk to them and reassure them <coughs> Excuse me. of the effects of not doing the surgery. And the mom was even in tears to say that what if the eye is taken out and what's going to happen to my yeah, three-year-old daughter then? <clears throat> well, it's, there's so many ways of convincing them that uh, they had to go back home and they think about it and they had to come back and agreed. So it's difficult when people who visit us, they're thinking that um, uh, a minor eye drop or maybe an ointment can heal the big problem because they don't understand the nature of the problem that they have. But from reassuring them, then they finally agree that it's, it's going to be devastating, that uh, nothing is done, like with anuclease and retinoblastoma, three-year-old girl, that you would be much better, you would be blessed if you have a, a daughter with you who can survive with you much longer rather than uh, with, with one eye, rather than losing a three-year-old girl. In Fiji, like in many parts of the Pacific, there's a, a range of different sort of bad information that people get when it comes to eye care. What are some of the experiences that you've had, or what are some of the things that you need to do as an eye nurse to sort of combat that, or to, to sort of give good information to people uh, so that they don't follow what the, the local herbal doctor has told them to, to put different herbs in their eyes and so forth? Yeah, often it does happen. Uh, when some of the patients uh, come in with high expectations that uh, vision will be saved, say to 90 to 100%, but because of some underlying problems and that target is not reached and uh, when they go back home they, they are really upset because they expect the best that they should be getting when they come through here. It. Uh, it happens when they, some of the patients do not get that appropriate information that they should get just to inform them of the outcome of their problem after we address the problem. Due to some underlying problems that they may have, we may not be able to get the maximum uh, or the best possible uh, corrected vision that they were expecting, so some of them go back home and they'll, they'll go and tell people, oh, I went in there, I was a bit better, but when I walked out, I'm worse. So that affects, you know, whatever we do, it's in the hope that we are trying to improve every everything that we are working on, but never to destroy it or never get it worse. So it takes a lot of counseling, eh? You need to counseling and sit with them and reassure them with that. And where did you learn your skills for counseling? Uh, did you have them sort of naturally or, or did you learn them as you were nursing? Just as a nurse, as I walk along and it was, you know, mm -hmm. I guess it's naturally as well. So I, I'm just, you know, 
you know. Mm -hmm. I get to talk with patients and I, I try and sit with them and losing a limb, a hand or a leg, is, which I often, uh, you know, see in the other main hospital, but losing their vision is something that, you know, people find devastating when they lose vision and they see the darkness. So it's worth it. I, I'm always thinking that it's worth sitting down, talking to the patients, talking to people, getting them the accurate ever information that they need. What does the name Fred Hollows mean to you, both in your training and, and in the work that you do? I never knew about Fred Hollows and his work until when I got into this uh, uh, training course that I went through. And then I, I, I always think of, you know, I try to read back on his the history of what he does. And if he can do so much work around in the Pacific or some of the countries that he's been working on, then, you know, we can, we can do similar work, we can do the same, in, especially in the unprivileged communities in Fiji where we are not always having ophthalmologists, even a nurse like us. As long as we are trained, we can help save somebody's vision. So much I do appreciate what um, Fred Hollis has brought into the Pacific with the influence through the training of the Pacific uh, nurses and doctors and there's a lot of work that we are doing throughout the Pacific saving visions of people in the Pacific. What's it like when things go well and you see that your skills and your knowledge and your enthusiasm for eye care gets passed on to a, a nurse or another generation of, of, uh, of eye nurses? It's a wonderful feeling to see that students are actually grasping what they've been taught in the classroom to balance things out with standard versus shortage of supplies or consumables and they sort of you know, reason things out. How does it feel when you're working for an organization like the Fred Hollows Foundation and you get asked to go to a place like Papua New Guinea? I felt nervous. Okay, some, somewhere new and different group of people. Place like Papua New Guinea, not, not uh, a lot of people would love to go to the, you know, just because of security reasons. But, and then again, I think, okay, there was, there's nobody else who can do it. I, if they trust that I can do it, okay, why should I refuse? So, Are you nervous about going? Are you scared? I'm, I'm taking it as a challenge. I said, okay, why not? I should just give it a try. There's always the first thing to do everything. I'll see how it goes when I spend a month in Papua New Guinea. And I, I value the experience that I have. And because I've been doing this teaching and co-teaching for three years, I thought, uh, well, why not? I should able to share my skills and knowledge to those who need them and because there's no one else to you know they probably will get somebody but right now it's quite difficult I can feel that they need someone to be there so I thought uh, oh well maybe I should just hop in and see how what I can do to help you're listening to a podcast from the Fred Hollows Foundation New Zealand to find out more, go to our website, www.hollows.org.nz.